0: Stand your feet with me as we get ready to read and honor God's Word together. What's up to the crew in Guyana and anybody joining us online? My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. We are in the midst of a series called Who We Are. Everybody say, Who We Are. We're going through our core heart, our our fluencies, who it is that we long to be as a community of Jesus followers. How many of you heard Pastor Malik last weekend? Wasn't that good? Man, Pastor Malik brought the fire. Fuego. On generosity, how generosity is not just an isolated decision or action, but it is in fact a mindset. He answered the question, how do I become more generous? If you're curious or missed it, you can check it out on our podcast or YouTube channel. This week, I want to talk about how do we come, how do we become more mature? This week, I want to talk about how is it that spiritually, emotionally, how is it that we grow? Anybody interested in the answer to that question? All right, then I'm in good company. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. If you do not have a Bible, we got you covered with Sky Bible on the screen above me. You guys feeling good? You look good. So daylight savings time, you still made an hour less sleep and you look good. Congratulations. The grace of God is real. All right, here we go. Verse 11. Paul is writing to followers of Jesus and he says, and he, he being Jesus, gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood or womanhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that, here's the reason, here's the why behind it, here's why God did this whole thing, so that we may no longer be children. Whew. Just sit right there for a little bit. Lord, help. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love would you pray with me jesus speak to us this morning through your words and help us to grow to become every bit of who you've created and dreamed for us to be in jesus name all god's people said Amen. give your neighbor a high five as you find your seat tell them it's gonna be good you're like i don't really know that just say it in faith all right helps me feel better like zach said family, friends, Guyana, watching online, Mishbucha, as we'd say of my people, some from a Jewish background. We have a problem. Anybody been disappointed by Christians over the last few years? Anybody, some of y'all got a testimony, you're clapping, right? Anybody been disappointed? I know it's not just me, as we've watched this absolute crisis of immaturity in the family of God. It's sort of uncanny reading the timeless, living and active word of God because some scriptures you really have to dig in. You're like, how exactly does this apply to today? But we do not have to do that with the passage this morning. We live in an Ephesians 4, 12 and 13 reality. We live in a crisis in the body of Christ of immaturity. Saints are not equipped. The body is not being built up. In fact, we are doing exactly what it said, being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine and cunning deceit. We are watching unprecedented falling away from God's word and his ways. It kind of reminds me of this. I've got a one year old picture of my son Liam on the screen. Everybody say, Aww, isn't he cute? Thank God for genetics from my wife. That's Liam. Now, there are certain things. He's one years old in this picture, and so he's still in diapers, obviously. And he's one years old, and so he's still drooling at points. And he's one years old, and so he doesn't quite know how to eat food on his own. And he's one years old. There's lots of things that when a one-year-old does it, they're sort of cute and endearing, even though you hope eventually they're not doing it for the rest of their lives, right? But then you imagine something like this. And all of a sudden, what was cute for a one-year-old is no longer cute. And it's honestly quite scarring and traumatic and might be scarred into your mental images right now. Thank you, Lisa, for the Photoshop job. But what was cute for my son Liam as a one-year-old is no longer cute when you superimpose my face on a one-year-old, right? You're like, why do you have that on the screen? I just want you to... into your mind this moment that you'll never forget it here's my point I think the body of Christ looks a lot like this a one year old for 37 years and it's not cute and it's flat out scarring terrifying and inappropriate to the design of the maker you can take that terrifying picture off the screen thank you very much We have a problem. One-year-old Christians for 37 years over and over and over and over again. Why don't we grow? It's heartbreaking. People leaving the church, leaving the faith in record numbers, and the naysayers can say, oh, well, they just don't care about God. No, actually, their primary concern and issue isn't with God, it's with Christians. It's us, y'all. We've so thoroughly and immensely blown our witness. I mean, just think of the last few years. So much hate, divisions, race, politics. Medical decisions, mean-spirited, hate-mongering. We have become, I mean, I know this isn't the pep talk that maybe you were hoping for at the beginning of the message, like, all right, pastor, where are we going? It'll end well, but we got to own the moment, friends. As the people of God, we have become malformed, immature, unstable, incapable people of God. I feel often genuinely going to heaven even but rarely bringing heaven to earth. It was very humbling looking through this passage written to this church in Ephesus because it reminded me of the church right now in our modern context. And to be quite honest, it reminded me oftentimes of me if I'm being more circumspect. Friends, we have a problem. Do you see it? Do you feel it? We have a problem, an evangelical church culture that has led people to the Lord, but been unable to lead people in the Lord or disciple them. And so they're one-year-olds for 37 years and running. Can anybody else relate? It's frustrating. It's heartbreaking. And it goes against the longing of God's heart for his people. By the way, what's encouraging is that this dynamic and phenomenon is nothing new. We see it right here in Ephesians. It it really reads as an indictment, I feel, in some ways, of the modern American, North American, and really just the modern church, especially in our cultural context. But here's the good news. (sighs) Get that out of your system. There is hope. There is hope for God's people. There is hope for God's family. There is hope for the church. God has a plan. He's not scrambling in heaven unaware of our plight or unable to do anything about it. God, through His Word, has revealed to us His plan, and it's spelled A P E S T. The apest. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers for the equipping of the saint and the building up of the body so that we may attain maturity and when every part does its work, so we can grow. You guys tracking with me here? Big idea, if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to jot this down and we're gonna jump into this conversation together because God has a plan for your life and it's amazing. Big idea is this, you are at your best when you're exposed to the apest. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. It's an acronym. Y'all tracking with that, what that means? It's not a word I made up. It's an acronym. You are at your best when you're exposed to the APEs. Matter of fact, I had a bunch of one-liners and I couldn't pick one. So you're fully alive when you're exposed to all five. I got another one, fight for the five because that's where we thrive. I can have Zach sing it right now. Zach, could get up here and say, ah, ah, ah. Ah, uh, you need all five? You need all five? Ah, uh, ah, uh, no, Zach's sitting there crossing his arms. I don't know where that, what it came from, actually. Uh, my daughter said she likes the Bee Gees. All right, you, get, you guys get the point? We need them all, pest. amen? All right, let's go. Point number one, learn all five. Learn all five. Everybody say all of them. All of them, you gotta learn all five. We'll back it up and start in verse seven. Paul's writing here to the church. He says, but grace was given to, what does it say? But grace was given to each one, everybody. Grace was given to each one. ascended on high. He led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. This one is not in my notes. This is bonus for you. This is referencing Psalm 68, except flipped on his head. In Psalm 68, it's all about a king who, when he arrives on the scene, they all give gifts to the king because that's what you do in the ancient world. You give homage to the king. Now, in Ephesians 4, he references the same passage, but who's giving the gifts? The king's giving the gifts. This is important. Paul's picture biblically of these apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, this unique God-given wiring, the apest, is a gift from the king to humankind to mankind. He ascended, what does it mean? Verse nine, but he descended into the lower regions. He descended and far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. And then he, boom, jumps in. And he gave, verse 11, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, I want to give a short caveat here because in certain theological circles, as in much of Christendom, Christians struggle to get along and find the same point of commonality. So I will give you a caveat objection to the apest Based, based on a basic Greek grammar rule, there are there is a camp or there is a school of thought that says it's actually not apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Shepherd, teacher is actually the same thing. And so it's act, it's not the apest, it's actually the apis or the apet. It's only shepherd and teacher, it's only one thing. A, I, I, that sounds weird. But B... Um, Based off of, I'm familiar with that. I have looked at that. I've looked into the grammar. Based off of research and my past 15 years of ministry, I, I believe that there's lots of overlap often between the apest and shepherds and teachers especially, but they are five distinct wirings. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. So we're gonna go to class right now. Everybody ready? You're like, I signed up for church, not school. I know, but it's gonna be good. Take out your handout right quick. I wanna walk us through this because I want us to learn all five. And to help, I've got my assistant, JJ, whose head is creepily turned around. There we go. JJ, my assistant, thank you, Lucia, for your baby doll that maybe I asked you to use. Hopefully, Nancy did. All right, so I wanna walk us through the apest in relation to how this typically fleshes out in the body of Christ and in the kingdom. Oftentimes, the journey will begin with an evangelist. If you look on your sheet, evangelist is the third on the front page. Now, what happens with someone who is wired evangelistically? And let me give this caveat here: the the point of the end of this sermon is not that you're going to walk around and say I'm prophet, so and so, an evangelist, so and so, apostle, so and so. All right, you're not getting a new a name badge and a role here. I'm going to use the x apostolic, evangelistic, uh, shepherd. you you know you're, you're shepherding in nature. It's not your uh, it's not your office here at Greenhouse Church, but it is. The wiring that god has given so with that being said you you start off this journey and you get an evangelist and and they've got an evangelistic heart where they can't help but love move towards and pursue those who don't yet know jesus and so they'll love this little baby they'll they'll care for they'll invest in they'll spend time they'll spend energy they'll share the good news of the gospel they'll do all of these things and then eventually god moves And it's amazing. How many of you know you're already wired evangelistically? Like you're like, yeah, 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 Christian, Christian. When can we go out to the rest of the world, right? And so you're there and then they respond to the gospel and they say, Jesus, I need you in my life. You're gonna be my Lord and Savior. You're the one that I've been looking for all along. And they're thrilled and they care so deeply and they celebrate for like five minutes and then they drop the baby and they go. Because the evangelists are like, that's so amazing. Okay, I got to go on to the next thing. And then they're they're off the stage and they're out in the highways and byways compelling more to come in so that his house may be full. That's the evangelist. So what are you going to do? Anybody know who steps in next to scoop that new believer up, that infant in Jesus? The shepherds, very good. The shepherd comes along and they scoop up this person, and they begin to care for them. Shepherds, that's the, if you flip to the back of the sheet, that's the top on the back of your sheet. The shepherd goes in and they're gonna pick them up and they've got a unique heart and wiring full of compassion and empathy, typically focused where the evangelist is stirred and wired by God to think for those that are not yet inside the church. The shepherd is typically focused on those that are inside the flock already. By the way, it has been my experience. I think this is one of the strongest and most potent gifts in terms of the power-packed nature of love, care, and nurturing. Jesus referred to himself as the good shepherd, not the good apostle. I think there's a reason for that. But the shepherds are going to come along. They're going to care. Any of you know you've already wired with a strong shepherding heart? Any shepherds in the room? Awesome. They're going to come. When I drop the baby doll, you even something broke in your heart a little bit. You're like, oh, my gosh, how could you? It's not even an animate object. But you were still like, oh, my goodness, because you just care so deeply. The shepherd's going to go. They're going to be the nurturer the protectors the shepherd's going to care but the reality for this infant believer this new baby in Jesus this child of God is that they don't just need to be loved and cared for they do but they also need to grow and mature right so enter the teacher Enter the teacher. Angel is a teacher. The teacher, teacher is like, man, cut me and I bleed, B-I-B-L-E. Where's the Bible verse in that? I need to hear it right now, right? This is, and so the teacher is gonna come and they're gonna set this little, let's see if I can do this here. They're gonna set this little baby doll up and say, all right, sit down, son. It's time to talk. And the teacher is gonna take them and they're gonna sit them down. The teacher is on the back as well as the last one on the back of your sheet. And I'm going through this quickly, but there's tons more we can dive into here. But the teachers focus uniquely based off of their wiring by God is they are focused on helping people learn, develop, and grow specifically in the words and the ways of God. Pastor Malik is a teacher. That's his wiring. His default starting point is Bible. He's wired that way by God. You're gonna help, teachers are going to help them learn, develop, grow in the word, grow in the ways of God, discern right from wrong. This is a, a sort of the beginning point, the foundational point of Bible knowledge, of scripture knowledge, of a knowledge and understanding of the ways of the kingdom. Teachers are gonna lean in that direction. and But then what's gonna happen is as this, baby matures and grows up and begins to have a general sense they come to the Lord evangelistically and they feel nurtured and cared and a part of the body thanks to shepherds and they begin to grow in a general understanding they're then going to be able to start asking specific questions God what are you saying to me God what's your calling on my life this is where Jesus said my sheep hear my voice how many of you have found it a little challenging sometimes to hear God's voice anybody all right awesome we're tracking here and so this is where a prophet exhibits a unique genius from God if you've ever been in a room and and you pause for a moment and someone's like I feel like God's got something to say but I I don't know what it is and the rest of the room is like And, and someone's like I know like and you're like you always seem to know what God's saying well a they might be presumptuous but probably b they might be a prophet They might be prophetic in nature. They just have this God-given knack for discerning and hearing God's voice and it seems to come easier for them than others. This is the prophetic, helping to answer questions like, what am I called to do? And, And God, what are you saying to me? And God, what do you want from me specifically? I know what your word says. Help me unpack and contextualize what it means for me. Prophets will step in to help followers of Jesus learn to discern and distinguish God's voice. They'll help bring clarity and conviction and supernatural intimacy. It's their gift. They, by nature, lean in to that intimate place with God, they also see the world in very black and white ways. And so they'll often call injustice on the table. They'll call wrongdoing on the table. They'll see the world in these black and white terms and make a call for righteousness and holiness in very helpful ways. That's the prophet. And then last, are you tracking with me? Which one's last? Which one haven't I done yet? The apostle. Now the apostle will step in and this is how they're wired. They'll say, wait a second, this is all, we've got this, We've got this believer that's, they've come alive in Jesus. They're feeling loved and cared for in the body. Thank you, angel. Now they're learning to understand God's word and they have a growing passion for the word of God. And then Zach got with him and said, hey, I've got this core group where I'm gonna help you hear God's voice. And we're gonna hear God's voice. We're gonna step out. And, and they're like, okay, cool. We're gonna hear God's voice. And then the apostle comes and they like, okay, wait, wait, wait a second. I just wanna remind everybody, we are not just for here. I just need everyone to know apostle means in the Greek, it means the, the sent ones. They said, listen, I need to remind you that that we're not just supposed to stay in this moment and in this space. The world needs to be reached. Apostles have this pioneering mindset. In in the business world, this would be like the entrepreneur. They're thinking about what's not rather than just what is, what could be, rather than what exists in the current moment. And and where people tend to feel like, I don't know, I'm not ready, I don't know. The apostle reminds them, no, no, Jesus said we're going to, Go and make disciples. Jesus said, "We're going to go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth." You've been rescued by God to go, and they're going to and they're going to launch a good catch, Zach. No baby was harmed in the making of this uh, in the making of this sermon illustration. Apostles are going to help people go tracking, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. In the Greek apostle is the sent one. They're the ones in the Latin it, the word is missilo it's the same word for missile. It's it's they're being launched out, they're being sent out. Apostles help make it happen. They remind us we feel most alive when we're going in the direction that we've been sent. And apostles help make it happen. Turn to your neighbor and say learn all five. Say so you got to learn all five. You gotta learn all five. It starts with a general knowledge, but then point number two, it moves into a specific knowledge. After you learn all five, you need to discover yours. Discover yours, a general sense of how you're wired apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. But then you need to discover how God has uniquely and specifically wired. Jump back into Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Little pop quiz. Who gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers? Who gave them? Jesus. He gave them. It's his gift. It's the king returning who gave the gift, but it is on us to discover. He gave the gifts. We need to discover any basketball fans in the room? All right, some basketball fans. How many positions are there in basketball? Five. All right, we're going to use an operating analogy. You're like, oh, go figure. You felt like the Lord led you to use a sports analogy, Pastor John. I'm so, I'm so surprised about that. All right, we're going to use a sports analogy, but it's, it's not football, okay? So give me a little bit of space here. So in basketball, you've got five positions. Somebody shout them out. What are they? Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, point guard, shooting guard, center, center. Forward, small forward, power forward, right? That's like a general working way of describing it if you want to do there. There's probably all sorts of new ways of doing it, but I'm not a basketball guy. So let's just stick with, but there are different positions. Now I've got a picture of the Miami Heat up there and you'll see this is uh, some semblance of a starting lineup. Do we still have Kyle Lowry on our team? <laughs> Does he actually play basketball anymore? <laughs> I really couldn't tell you. Anyways, as you can tell by their height and body composition, Different positions require different types of skill sets and different types of statures and different types of frames and different types of abilities, right? Now, ideally, when a team is operating at their optimum level of efficiency, the point guard's being a great point guard, the shooting guard's being a great shooting guard, and the center's being a great center. It would be a real bummer on your basketball team if your center decided that he needed to be the best point guard in the NBA. Because he won't. See, what would mark a failure of a basketball team is if number one, people either don't know their position or number two, they are operating in the wrong position. You can have incredible athletes and incredible talent and incredible gifts, but if they don't know their position and their unique contribution and role on the team or they are in the wrong position, you'll have devastating results. Either number one, the players will decide there's something wrong with them and they're broken and your team will most likely use enter our current conundrum spiritually i don't think it's the only thing i i think it's definitely one of the things it says in ephesians that god has given these unique roles so that we can be healthy and grow when it comes to the apest you got to know your position turn your neighbor and say you got to know you gotta know your position. You have to discover your position. God, how have you uniquely wired me? Am I a point guard? Well, let me learn to play that. I gotta get, get the ball skills down. Am I a center? Well, I gotta grow. I gotta get nice and tall and get some rebounds. What is your position? If you take the handout that you got and if you are watching online or in Guyana, there's a digital, there's a QR code there so you can access the handout digitally. There's a QR code on the back of this. You do not have to scan it now, but you can scan this QR code and take it will take you to a digital APEST test, right? It's kind of a before there was the Myers Briggs or the Disc profile or Strengths Finders. This in some ways is God's spiritual personality profile of how you're uniquely wired and gifted by God. I would encourage you this week, scan this QR code. The test will probably take you 10, 15 minutes. I I linked to a free one so you don't have to pay anything for it there's one I love so if you want to go deeper let me know it's like 10 bucks or something I'll send you that link but this is a great starting point here to get a sense of God how have you uniquely wired me here's my recommendation after you take that test and I want to encourage you to do it today tomorrow sometime this week then run it by your community Run it by your microchurch. Run it by the serve team that you're on to help clarify and confirm or crystallize some of your learning. Microchurch leaders, let me talk to you for a second. If you're here as a microchurch leader, I would love, I put it already earlier in the week, but I would love in all of our microchurches across Greenhouse, maybe even over in Guyana this week, to take some time as a community and dig into this a little deeper. It's worth investing time and energy to see, God, how have you wired me? How have you made me? I know I'm supposed to hear your voice, but what does it look like within the personality you've given me? What am I supposed to set my sights on growing and developing? To help everyone learn and discover and incorporate. How many of you already know your apex type? You're like, "I I already have a good sense of how I'm wired. Okay, here's my encouragement to you don't settle, be a good steward just like anything else in the kingdom, the call is rarely check the box. Like imagine if if salvation was just like, all right, start following Jesus. Okay, cool, I'm done with the whole spiritual life thing. It's like, nope, you're still on earth. Still a reason for you to be here. There's still growth to be had and an amazing relationship to cultivate and nurture. The same is true with how God has uniquely wired you. What we're supposed to be doing is growing, maturing, being a good steward over the gifts that he's given us so we don't end up like terrifying one-year-old 37-year-olds, right? Right? we're supposed to grow we're supposed to increase it because there is such a thing as an immature apostle there's a, such a thing as an immature evangelist there's such a thing as an immature or an unhealthy shepherd just like if you've taken any of the personality profiles like you can be the, you know the ENTJ but here's what it looks like if you're an unhealthy ENTJ same thing is here with what god has given us in the apist. When it comes to the APES, point number one, learn all five. Point number two is get a sense from God and the community he's placed you in of how he has uniquely wired you. And lastly, number three, structure your life to be exposed to all. This is crucial. Structure your life to be exposed to all. All five. All of the APEST. My wife Nancy and I had a friend back when we lived in Gainesville who was the, the pinnacle of human health. Like, she was an athlete in college. She continued in athletics all the way through. I mean, she was, this woman ate, like, I don't know, if, no, pro, no processed anything, no artificial anything. Like, she was that, like, the, the, the crunchy granola health enthusiast of all time. She was that. And she was awesome. We loved her. She played flag football, man. She, she scores. We've played in the co-ed flag football league. Every single guy in that league, she burned them deep. It was amazing. Loved it. A couple of years ago, we got a phone call. She said, hey, can you guys pray for me? I'm in the hospital with my health. I'm like, if you are in the hospital with your health, we're all gonna die. Like, <laughs> I have no hope for humanity. Jesus, take me now. I was like, what happened, girl? She's like, well, you know how I'm always really like rigorous around my diet? I'm like, I'd use other words, but sure, rigorous, yes. She's like, well, I eat really healthy stuff. I'm like, we all know. She's like, but because I eat the same thing over and over and over and over again, even though it's very healthy, because it's the same thing over and over, my body couldn't process it anymore. My body began to shut down. And so the, I'm, she was in the hospital. She's like, they told me I needed to shift and deviate my diet if I want to stay healthy in the long haul. This will Preach. The problem is that if you like take the food pyramid, I think back in the day we had a pyramid. Now I think we have a plate or something like that. Okay, so back there, if you eat from one section of the food pyramid, it can be really good and healthy until it's the only section you eat from. Then you'll be unhealthy. You guys tracking with me? The nature of health is you need a diversification in your diet if you are going to be mature and healthy, growing into the full stature of who God has designed you to be. The same is true with the apist. The reason God gave us for this, it says in Ephesians 4, is for the equipping of the saints, for the building up of the body so that we might become mature like God intended. Here's my point. When you are exposed to all five of the past in an ongoing and consistent way, apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers, you will grow, you'll become mature, you'll be healthy, you'll stay focused on the main things, you'll achieve unity of the faith. That was one of the reasons that Paul lists behind that. But if you limit your diet, you will become sick and malnourished. Here's why this is so important. If you reference back and remember our diversity sermon a few weeks ago, we talked about the challenge of diversity because it literally runs against the human psychology. By default, if we don't do something on purpose, we will drift into homogenous communities with people that think like us, look like us, act like us, speak like us, make like us, because it's easy for our brains we don't have to experience any challenges, any cognitive dissonance. And so we, we drift by nature into homogeny. The same reality of the echo chamber that destroys us on the internet, come on somebody, is the same reality that'll do it in the apest. You have to structure your life to get around people who think differently than you. Says who? God! Because he gave some to be apostles, prophets. He, two things I wanna say here, and these are not in my notes. The first one is this. Oftentimes when I'm interacting with someone that's frustrated in a spiritual or church setting, what they're saying is something totally great. It's just the wrong way they're doing it. Oftentimes God has uniquely wired you apostolically or prophetically or shepherding or evangelistically. And oftentimes you will see that problem and feel it more acutely than everybody else. And it's not because other people don't care. It's because you've been uniquely wired to care more. And oftentimes when you feel it, it's because God is calling you to help fix it. Oftentimes when you feel it, and the default is, man, man, I feel this way, so here's what you do. You do one of two things typically. You either run into an echo chamber where everybody feels like you and you just stew in the frustration of it all, or you just peace out and leave and you decide, man, this community, my job, this place, this church doesn't care about these things. And the reality is, They probably do. They're just not good at it, and it's not their default setting, which it is yours. And when those apostolically and prophetically and evangelist and shepherding and teaching bring that gift fully to the table, fully expressing out of love for God and love for people, the body becomes mature. The body becomes built up in love. It's so easy to fall into the trap of, of your way, your, your wiring is the right way, and, and every other way is the wrong way. But God says you need different perspectives to become fully mature. Why? Because no one wiring reflects all of God's heart. No one wiring is better than the other. It's kind of like, Pastor John, which one of your kids is better? "Ah, They're different. Exactly. God has wired his family with these different proclivities, each one that uniquely and beautifully reflect his heart. And when we all bring those to the table, well, the body's healthy, built up, strengthened, edified in love. So let me ask you for reflection. What apests do you have that are regularly speaking into your life? Take a moment. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. What apest do you have that are regularly speaking into your life? If you're not sure how you would even structure something like that, we've tried to make it easy for you. Get in a microchurch. Our microchurches by design are spaces where we intentionally think through how can we have the fullness of what God has given us reflected in this microchurch. You need the full apest. You need the evangelist because we wanna be obeying Jesus where he said, go make disciples and baptize people. We need that and we need teachers because Jesus said you're gonna baptize them and then you're gonna do what? You're gonna teach them. And we need shepherds because people need to be followed up with and they have to feel seen and loved and valued by God as they are. And then we need prophets who say, hey listen we want to hear God's voice we're not just going through the motions and doing some show we're actively living following abiding walking in the spirit hearing God's voice and then you need apostles who say listen there's a bunch more people out there that need to experience what God is doing we've got to move forward we've got to pioneer we've got to innovate we've got to reach the culture where they're at we need well we need exactly what it says in verse 15 it says rather speaking the truth what does it say In love, so key. It's always a linchpin. We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, when each part is working properly. Or in the NIV, it says, as each part does its work. The way the Apex works is it's not like. You're like, how do we find that balance of God's heart? It's not 20% of each of the five to hit 100%. We actually need 100% of all five to be able to do this. This means that we need you being fully you. We need you being in touch with how God has uniquely wired you and bringing that to the table. This week, I want you to run your ministry through the apest. Run your family Your microchurch, your department, your weekly input of content through the APIST. On one hand, we need you knowing how God has uniquely gifted you and wired you so you could be 100% you. I've mentioned this before. The, the dream is that you would come to microchurch not just showing up as a bystander, but ready, fully bringing the gift that God has given you to the table. When you come to Western every Sunday, not just as a bystander, but ready, fully bringing the gift, the passion, the wiring God has given you to the table. To use my basketball analogy, guards need to be quick and have ball skills, and centers and power forwards words need to be big, tall, and strong, and we need you to be you in the beauty and the uniqueness of exactly how God has created you to be. My prayer for us this morning, for you and I, is that we would, by God's grace, escape the comparison trap. That we would stop uh, complaining and beating ourselves up and feeling bad about who we are not and comparing ourselves to others and saying, I wish, like a center wishing they could be a a point guard. It's like, it's never going to happen, but it doesn't need to. You've got such unique, amazing gifts. Be who you are. That we would stop complaining and feeling bad about who we're not and start fully embracing and expressing who we are because we need you. You probably experience this all the time. You just never had a name for it because it's how God has created his church to function. I listen to Tony Evans, who's a Bible teacher, and, man, he does something to me. Something in my heart gets stirred for God's word, and then I listen to Judah Smith, who's an evangelist, or Dick Brogdon, who's got a prophetic edge, and it does something totally different. Why? Because it's the genius of God Encased in varying degrees, in different styles, in these little human earthen vessels, because at the end of the day, the apest isn't about people, it's about God. I'm gonna land it here and we're gonna close in worship. The reason the apest works is because it is a reflective reality of the heart of Jesus. Apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers, they're meant to reveal Jesus. Jesus is the full expression. And knowing Jesus is the key to everything. We exist to help ordinary people become passionate followers of Jesus. Jesus is the apest, he's the apostle the sent one from God, pioneering the mission forward and creating the way. He's the prophet, declaring the word of the Lord, calling us back to repentance and the kingdom, to hearing God's voice. He's the evangelist, sharing the good news, leading to salvation, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He's the good shepherd, consistently moved by compassion, by those harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He's the teacher, Rabbi Jesus, full of wisdom, instruction in the words and ways of God. Why the apex Because each point and component points to Him because we need Him. And He said because we need Him, we uniquely, poignantly, and specifically need one another if we're ever going to grow up to become the church mature, mature, capable, unified body of Christ that the world is waiting and longing to see even if they don't know it. we run something called discipleship training and here at greenhouse it basically exists to help ordinary people like you and me learn to follow the call of jesus to make disciples step one is we want to be a disciple jesus i hear you i want to follow you you're my life is yours you're my teacher rabbi lord leader but then step two is jesus said now go and make disciples and so we run discipleship training to do just that we're in the midst of it right now and and just this past week, many of you who are in there experienced this reality in real time for yourself. Just this past Sunday, I, I asked the crew if I could share. Just this past Sunday, one of the guys was in discipleship training and God's just working in his life in such an amazing way. And This guy has a call in his life. and But as often things work in the kingdom, when Jesus in, like, shows up in your life and turns it right side up from upside down, typically things get crazier and worse before they ever get better. Can I get an amen? so he's in that spot and so he's there and he, and man he's just got a love for God and a passion to pursue God and I love this guy and he's there and he's just trying to gut it out but, but the life is just hard and things are challenging and he's wrestling with if you've ever seen The Chosen like God where are you that Peter moment of like do you even see me do you even care and, and in the midst of discipleship training pff, he just walks out couldn't take it anymore. and right here in real time before I ever preach this sermon the apest starts working one of the guys shoots out the door to follow him. Like the good shepherd is just like, I'm going. And he, and he goes out there and he, he starts talking to him. And, and eventually he decides he's going to come back and he comes back into the group. He's like, man, I'm sorry, guys. And, and the guy just shares honestly from the heart, hey, here's what's going on and here's what's happening in life and it's just a mess and I'm feeling frustrated. And, here's, and the group jumps into action. Mind you, we had a whole plan, we had a whole agenda. It's like, thankfully we got a CEO in heaven, so we just follow his lead. It it's so much better. And so the group jumps in, the teachers start giving out Bible verses. They're like, oh, you know what? I had a Bible verse come to mind. I like, of course you did. That's how you're wired. But it was a word in due season. And so the teachers start sharing. And then the prophetic people start getting stirred up. And someone's like, Ben, you know what? I think, I think right now we need to wash his feet. And everyone else is like. So we're like, oh, you know, but the prophet's like, no, no, this is what we need to do. And so poor AJ, bless his heart, he's there having to lead his first discipleship training here in South Florida. He's like, is this normal? I'm like, well, you gotta expect everything, anything, you know, and so but the prophetic people were like, no, 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 right now. He's like, okay, yes, sir and ma'am. Let's do it. So they start washing feet and, and and then and then the and then they get done with this and God's moving and it's amazing and there's tears and it's incredible and God's showing up, mind you, through His people and the diversity of their wiring and their gifts and and then the apostle apostolic people start speaking. And they're like, you know what? And, and God's got a call for your life. They're speaking to the guy. God's got a call for your life, and it's not just about you. He wants to do things through you, and so He's doing things in you. And they start exhorting him, reminding him of the mission that it's not just for Earth. There's bigger things at stake, and God is working. And and you watch, and this entire evening if you were there in DT you're probably nodding your head because this entire evening felt so absolutely heavenly and yet while directed by heaven it was expressed right there on earth in Tamarack Florida yeah as apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers who all have different careers and different jobs and different titles in their occupations leaned into their wiring and gifting from heaven. I said, Lord, what do you want to come from this morning? It's lots of teaching. It's a teacher type sermon. It's information and content from the word. What do you want to come from this moment? I feel like God said two things. Number one, I want people convinced that they need a community like that. I know community's scary. I know church people are weird sometimes. You are one of them, right? And I know that sometimes we can be whack and miss the mark and out of good intentions do bad things. I get all of that and and I'm sorry and I get it. Lord have mercy, help us and amen and yes. And yet you need community to do so that when you hit a tough spot and you're in your own little echo chamber and the enemy's trying to mess with you, some other people wired differently can lean in with their gift and strength and call you to the fullness of who God's created you to be. Number one, that somebody in here, somebody online, somebody in Guyana would be convinced, okay, that's it. I'm in. I need a community like that. And then number two, the second thing is I was asking God, Lord, what's your heart for this morning? Is that number two, we would be convinced to be a community like that. That in the midst of a culture where it is completely spectator, what can you do for me? I watch it online, what can you do for me? I'm here to have it your way, what you, can you do for me? That we would shift the script and say, Jesus, I agree with you, and you said we fully come alive and become mature when we're stepping out to care for others, not just looking for others to look out for me. And church, if we could do that, this crisis of immaturity would become an opportunity for the glory of God and the redemption and salvation of humanity. As people know, they're loved by God. They're accepted in his family. They're called to uniquely hear his voice with gifts and talents and abilities that come straight from heaven. And they're commissioned to go out to a waiting and watching world. Why don't you pray with me as we close? Jesus, we love you. We need you. We hear you. You're the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and when you conquered, you demanded no gifts from earth, because what could we give you? But instead, you turned around and you gave us gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, so that we can grow, so that we can become mature, so that we can that state of unity and love that you've called us to so that we can be what we long to be Lord a book of Acts church in the 21st century God would you open our eyes and open our hearts would you remove the blinders would you set us free from the comparison trap and help us to embrace who you have uniquely created and called us to be in your sovereignty and great love help us to own our position with gratitude and steward it with great passion and growth your glory if you're here this morning and and you came in feeling distant or disconnected from god i want to give you an invitation to agree with god the whole point of this passage lands at the fact that if you're using an analogy of the body there's only one head there's only one mastermind and it's Jesus. If you are ready this morning online in Guyana in the room here to agree with God that you need Jesus to be the director and the head of your life, that you're not smart enough, you're not gifted enough, you're not talented enough to do on your own what needs to be done. All you have to do is agree. Say, God, you win. I need you. I can't do this on my own. I'm done trying. I give up. I surrender. You're the mastermind. You're the head. You're the Lord. You're, you're the central office of operations. I will take your cues and follow your lead. I'm yours. I'm yours. If you're here and you're already a follower of Jesus, here's your point of agreement with God. That you agree and say, God, I, I need you and i need your people i need your body i need the apex to grow and become fully healthy and mature in this moment you sense his nudge to commit to community especially those who are different from you no more pushing off those who are wired differently but instead lean into the unique value of that gift as god helps us through the help of one another become everything that he's created and designed us to be just look to heaven and say, God, I'm in. I'm in.